Hello and welcome to the ECR market update. Today we are joined by Andy Langkamp, who is a political analyst. And um, of course, the, the topic of right now, which is most uh, uh, most impactful for the financial markets, is still the Corona or COVID-19 outbreak. Currently, we've seen a lot of different approaches from different governments in terms of handling the virus. Andy. Here in Europe, we've been seeing problems, especially in Spain and Italy. There, the situation has been uh, extremely impactful, a lot of pressure on the healthcare system. What's your view on the situation right now, especially concerning Spain and Italy? Yeah, generally speaking, we have seen some more hopeful signs over the past 10 days or two weeks in Europe. At first, countries seemed to only be focused on themselves and there was no coordination at all. And now, We've seen the ECB announcing that they will buy up over 750 billion of bonds. They have stretched their mandate. Uh, countries have re- reversed their export bans, have announced huge fiscal stimulus measures, larger than ever before. So that's a relatively good sign. But as you said, Italy and Spain are the real crisis ground zeros of Europe right now. Spain has even overtaken Italy as the European country with the most cases. So it seems that Europe is in for a lot of trouble in the months ahead. And in terms of the, the measures that are being taken, uh, because of course these have tremendous impact on the economy and the long-term consequences could be very drastic as well. Is there a possibility that the cure that the governments are offering is worse than the disease? Yeah, that's the big question right now. On the one that you have, you have the health crisis that's compounded now, or the health crisis has caused an economic crisis. Economists are now wondering whether the current lockdowns will do so much damage to the economy that the pain caused by the economic crisis will be bigger than caused by the health crisis. For example, people who don't have a job in, in the Netherlands, for example, were reallocated with 10 years long uh, shorter than people who have jobs. And if the economic crisis continues and go into a recession or even depression, or let's correct myself, we're in a recession right now that could evolve into a depression. When you get into a depression and unemployment goes sky high, then you're bound to see more health impacts like depressions, suicides even. But for now, I think most economists and especially virologists agree that you have to keep, in, to keep the lockdowns going for now. Otherwise, health systems will be too overstretched and society won't be able to cope with so many deaths at once. Right. Just like we've seen in Italy and Spain, for example. But yeah, how... And in New, York, in New York City, for example, right now, in New Orleans. And uh, in, in Italy and Spain, how, how is the situation there currently? Also, what I'm wondering is the, how is the political situation, how much has that impacted in Spain and Italy, the, uh, the way the, they have approached uh, handling this uh, crisis? You would expect that this would offer populists a chance to, to attack the sitting governments and to push their case that you should close boundaries and opt for a more nationalist approach. But the good news is that for now, there seems to go, be going on a rally around the flag trend, like people supporting their own governments. And most governments in Europe right now are led by moderates. So the approval ratings of the Italian government and the Spanish government are way up compared to before the crisis. So right. for now, the populists don't seem to do very well with this crisis. So it seems that this crisis has brought some kind of unity, instability, even in these countries like, like Italy, for example, where the political situation yeah. has been quite... Yeah, for now, it seems right. like that. But you have to wonder if that will continue. The future could evolve 
in two ways. It could be that the whole health crisis will be regarded also as a security crisis, and that will offer populists a way to more securitize societies and close off borders and paint other countries as potential threats. Or the other more optimistic route would be that the crisis would be seen as a more social cohesion thing, where people support each other, they realize big government is back in the sense that you need governments to keep society safe and that the only way to cope with this is to cooperate and not just cooperate within a country, but also cooperate with the rest of the world. And it's still too early to say which way the world will, will evolve. Well, I suppose it only also depends very much on how individual governments within the European Union, for example, handle the crisis. Uh, if the governments in power make a mess of the crisis, so to speak, uh, over the longer term, I suppose populists could very much capitalize on this to rally political support. Is that a scenario you see playing out as well? Yes, yeah, that, that's a big risk. Uh, but for now, at least, it seems that most populations are very supportive of their own governments. You see those trends in Italy and Spain, but also in, in, in the UK, for example. And the UK got a big bunch of criticism over the last week. But over the last couple of days, uh, Boris Johnson, the prime minister, has announced more stringent lockdown measures or social distancing measures. But the British seem to be very supportive of Boris Johnson right now. Right. Moving up from, from, from the European Union, the U.S. Also, you mentioned uh, uh, in New York, there's, there's also been a lot of cases reported, also a very, very serious situation right now. And uh, U.S. actually uh, last week overtook China in terms of most uh, infections. Uh, yeah, the situation there is also looking uh, quite unstable. What do you make of the situation in the U.S. and specifically how the federal government has handled the crisis? And when it comes to the federal government or, or the White House, it was Donald Trump first downplayed the whole crisis. He even said a couple of weeks or months ago that, oh, we will uh, quickly be down to zero patients in the U.S. But then he had to take it more seriously. But he still downplayed the threat and keep downplaying the threat until two weeks ago or so. And then it looked like he made a turnaround and he, he presented himself more as a leader of all Americans. And people were pre pretty positive about that. That only lasted about a week or so. And then again, he turned it into a political campaign thing. He was, his whole approach was incoherent. And he first, a couple of days ago, he talked about quarantining New York City, among other cities. And then a couple of hours later, he made a turnaround again. Yesterday, he held a press conference. And now his line is that the U.S. will have done a pretty good job if they will keep the deaths from coronavirus to 100,000 or 100,000 people. And 200,000. So it's a complete mess how the White House is reacting to things right now. But at least one positive thing is that for now, Trump is taking it seriously. De definitely. It seems like he was all over the place. He was very early to introduce a travel ban from China. So initially, the U.S. was behind the curve. But definitely, he underestimated initially the seriousness of the threat. So you would say yeah, that... Yeah, but I, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but I still think they're behind the curve. They're testing a lot less than uh, most other countries. Mm -hmm. And the social distancing rules are still less stringent than they are in most parts of Europe, for example. Yeah, but now it's definitely the no, no longer the case. And par partially, is that because the reaction of the federal government, government was too little, too late? Is that, is, that your, is that a fair statement? 
it was too little too late, but when it comes to uh, fiscal stimulus, for example, they now have passed three fiscal stimulus packages. Now, the first one was for a couple of billion just to support the uh, health services and so on. The second one was of an amount somewhere around one trillion, and now the one that was passed last week was already 2.2 trillion, according to some estimates. And they're already talking about a fourth stimulus package. So that's a lot of money that's going into the economy in the coming months or quarters. That's absolutely astronomical numbers. So, what will be the long term effect of having? such tremendous amounts of, of money injected into, into the economy. What, what could be the consequences there? Yeah, for now, nobody really cares about the budget deficits, although they were already really high before uh, this crisis started. Eventually, the, the, the debt numbers of the U.S. will reach astronomical highs, uh, but the same applies to the Europe, for, uh, of course, and, and to China to a certain extent, although China is, is less supporting its economy than you would expect on the basis of the crisis, but that's because they pumped huge amounts of money into the economy in 2008, 2009, and they're still seeing the negative effect of this right now. For example, the ghost cities where no one, no one lives, and huge debts, especially for emerging markets. Right, and moving on to China, they seem to have it uh, right now under control in terms of their infections uh, have reduced drastically, and what's your impression there? Is this drop in, in cases permanent, or will there be a second wave of infections in, in China as well? I'm no virologist, so I would speculate on a second wave, but I can imagine that there will be if the lockdown measures are loosened, like they are right now. And when it comes to the economic side of things, China is slowly going up and running again. About 80% of the manufacturers are producing again, but still, China is very dependable on the rest of the world. And the world economy is now on a standstill. So if there's no demand from abroad, and it remains to be seen whether the Chinese economy will go back and grow again. Already, the expected growth for China is about 1% to 2%. And for China, that's really low. Last year, they grew around 6-7%. This last decade, they grew over 10% a year. And hopes were that China would see a V-shaped recovery because they locked down the country in a very drastic way. So big pullback economic-wise, but when everything was fine again and the cases dropped, then the expectation was that they would start growing again pretty soon. But I have my doubts about that. Although because Chinese consumers themselves are also now in a shock and they're still not spending a lot. And China, as I said, has to deal with huge amounts of debt. And in terms of we've covered three different regions, basically Europe, U.S. and China, in, in terms of the effectiveness of the approach, uh, what would you say was so far has proved to be the most effective way of, of handling this crisis? Is it China due to the fact that they managed to at least control the number of cases? Or do you think the economical impact there was, was uh, too big to say this was an effective way of, of handling this? Yeah, China didn't react properly at first, of course. They initially suppressed uh, all the information about the virus, and they allowed it to spread from the city of Wuhan to the rest of China. Right. Um, and they covered up a lot of things. But when they pivoted to enforce a more effective nationwide currency, that seemed to have stopped the spread, at least for now. 
But I do think that China's draconian, draconian approach uh, would be very difficult uh, to implement, for example, here in Europe. Right, mostly because we have a lot more uh, civil liberties and that will be a much bigger issue here in Europe or in the U.S. than, for example, yeah. in China. And uh, other countries like Taiwan and Singapore had also a pretty draconian approach, but they have also some particular characteristics that make it very difficult for us to implement the measures the same way as they did. For example, they had, were much better prepared because of the SARS crisis years ago, and also the many of the cultures in Asia are more a collective one, whereas we are more individualistic, and that also makes it much more difficult to enact draconian measures uh, like China did and Singapore did and other Asian countries did. Right. Andy, I would say thank you very much. Do you have any final comments, anything that, uh, finally that you would like to add to this discussion, anything that, that's uh, important that we have, might have missed today? Yeah, let's, let's, let's finish off on a relatively positive note now then. I just read that daily confirmed cases worldwide have fallen for the first time in several weeks. The total number diagnosed has dropped about 10% compared with uh, Saturday, when you look at the numbers on Sunday, and also the number of total de number of deaths uh, have fallen. So maybe uh, we're reaching a plateau, and that from now on, the numbers start to look a bit better. Definitely. Let's hope that is the case. Andy, thank you very much for joining us today. And this concludes the second episode of ECR Market Watch. We'll be back next week with more insights into the markets, politics, and microeconomics. See you next week.